Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. Before I get started, I would like to give a very special shout out to the reformed members of Back to Ashes. Tina Mead, Mana Ash, Normie DW, Chrissy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, Patty's niece, Samantha Place, and Inner Scare Wifey. The rest of the Back to Ashes membership family can be found right here on your screen. If you would like to become a member of the Back to Ashes membership family, all of that information can be found in the description below. Perks include early release on videos, videos in their uncensored format, uploads on the weekends, and much, much more. You'll also find the Buy Me a Coffee link if you enjoy what you're hearing. Speaking of, I would appreciate a good thumbs up, and if you're not already a subscriber, go ahead and hit that button and make sure to set that notification bell to all so you know every time I upload. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes, for when we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Road Trip Horror Stories. Right after this intro and ad will play, I'll read the first story and ad will play, and after that there will be no more ads within this video. My family were driving on the rural main road of Poland. We're Polish. And next to our car was this truck delivering large concrete pipes. We drove next to this truck for maybe an hour, maybe two. I was a teenager, so I didn't really care. My dad figures we stop at the next gas station for a quick toilet break. As I exit the car, a pair of bikes drive past the gas station. I noticed because it was loud as PP over and we go back to the road. About a mile or so down the road, there's an accident. The bikes had caught up with the truck, and as they were about to drive past it, the large concrete pipes fell off the truck and smashed the bikers. Maybe they weren't fastened properly or the truck swerved. I'm not sure, but they were dead. Blood everywhere. I still have a hard time thinking of what could have happened. This didn't happen to me, but it happened to my mom's friend. One day, the friend and her sister were driving on a freeway, and I don't remember how this happened, but the car crashed and flipped or rolled over five lanes. My mom's friend was the only one conscious, and she was trapped under the steering wheel, and her sister's head was bleeding really bad. She said a normal-looking man wearing white appeared out of nowhere and came up to them and took off his shirt to wrap the sister's head, and then he left. When the paramedics arrived, they asked who wrapped the sister's head, and she told them. The paramedics asked where he went, and she pointed to the direction he walked. 
The paramedics said that they had just come from that direction and no one was on the road for miles. They also said that he wrapped her head in such a perfect way that she would have bled out and died if he hadn't done that. One time, I was driving home from a friend's house over winter break a few years ago. It was really late at night, about 2.30 in the morning. I decided to go on the back road to my house because it was a little faster, and about seven less miles than the highway. This particular road I was on, after midday traffic, isn't a really popular road at all, except for those who live on it. Well... While driving, I took a big turn. I noticed one vehicle coming the opposite direction and one in front of me. Strange, but nothing out of the ordinary. I passed the car going the opposite direction and it was a white van. I got behind the car in front of me, which was a truck. As soon as I got behind the truck, the van stopped and quickly turned around. From that point on, for about two miles, the truck went really slow while the van rode my ass the entire way. I was scared shitless. Why did a van immediately stop going one way and turn around to go behind me, especially that late at night? Both the truck and the van slammed on their brakes when we got to a part of the road without any streetlights, and I managed to barely squeeze through both cars stopping and raced home. I was going 75 miles per hour on a road that has a 30 mile per hour limit. I never felt so afraid in my life. I called the cops after and told them the license plate number and description of the truck in front of me. Took me months to be able to go down that road again. My grandfather was in the Air Force, and one night, he was driving, back to his base maybe, I can't quite remember, and he saw a woman standing on the side of the road in a long white dress at about 2 a.m. He circled back to ask if she needed help, and she was nowhere to be seen. He searched for her for about an hour before giving up and deciding to leave it alone. When he decided to go on his way, he had a strong feeling that he needed to switch lanes. He was on the road alone in the middle of the night, so he had no idea why. And just ahead on the road, there was a broken down truck with no hazards on that he would have hit and probably been killed by if he stayed in the lane he had been in. To this day, he's convinced the woman was trying to warn him, like an omen or something. I was not exactly in the woods, but when I was younger, my mother was driving on the road. Everything was normal, as usual. She was taking me to the store or something. As we were leaving, this strange animal runs across the road in front of the truck. It sprinted from the woods on our left and over to the lake on our right. The animal looked like a fox, but with really long legs. I caught a glimpse of it for two seconds because I was distracted. After doing some studying, I realized it looked like a maned wolf, 
which is a type of fox. It really didn't make sense because maned wolves do not live around the area we did. Maned wolves are in a completely different continent. Stopped at a co-worker's house one night after a late shift, around 2.30 a.m., to drop off something she had forgotten. I didn't know exactly where I was, but was familiar with the town and knew the highway I'd take home, which was very close, so I turned on my GPS just to get me back to the highway. Sometime after 3 a.m., the GPS bugged out and started leading me in circles before finally spitting me out on some back road in a wooded area, which I drive on for a bit until I saw a man just walking in circles next to the road. I am a young woman with a small stature and have seen enough movies to urge me to just keep driving, but kept watching him in my rear view. When I looked back to the road, I had to slam on the brakes because in front of me was an albino deer just standing there. It looked up, then walked away, and I kept driving. I saw lights behind me, but by this point, I was looking out for more deer or weird things and ignored them as they kept getting brighter, and I thought, this guy is really getting close. So I looked up, and there was nothing behind me. No cars in sight. This happened two more times. I still didn't know where I was and was about to call my boyfriend when I made a turn and came out right in the town where I live. When I got home, my boyfriend told me he heard the sound of our front door opening and somebody coming inside twice while I was gone, but he checked the house and didn't find a single soul. It was a weird night and I don't think either of us slept very well. I've been to this girl's house twice after this incident, and both times my GPS has taken me right to the highway like normal. I was 17 years old and lived in a very small rural community in Central California. It was late spring 1996. My best friend and I were bored and decided to take a drive, something we did frequently. Bear in mind that where I lived was basically surrounded on one side by mountains and the other by over 80 miles of flat, sandy valley. Anyway, it was about 11 p.m. and we had been driving out towards the valley on a dirt road for about an hour. Descending down into the valley from the hills, I spot a glimmer of reddish-orange light. We, of course, drive another 20 minutes toward the glimmer and come upon it. Coals. The glimmer was embers or coals of a fire. Where we were, there was nothing, and I do mean nothing. No bushes, no trees, no hills. Nada. Not for at least 10 miles in either direction. Just flat. We shined a handheld spotlight all around and didn't see anybody or anything. We decided the proper thing to do was to turn the truck around and throw dirt in the embers by spinning the truck tires. As my friend backed up the truck, I looked out my rolled-down window 
and not five feet from me was the largest man I'd ever seen. Black, shirtless, bald, wearing only denim jeans. At least six foot five, 300 pounds, and staring right at me. I instantly yelled, drive, drive, drive. And without even looking, my buddy tears off out of there. When I catch my breath, I explained what I saw. He's still driving 50 to 60 miles an hour on a dirt road back towards town, which at that speed we could reach town in around 30 minutes. Of course my buddy never saw anything, and he and I both think I'm losing my mind. Remember, there was nothing out there besides the coals. No car, no motorcycle, nothing. No way for anyone to be out there other than by foot. I should also mention that heading back to town, there were any number of dirt roads back in, and I'm talking hundreds. Trails, road, hills, hell, we were in a 4x4 and could have made our own road if we wanted to. We ended up coming down a rarely used dirt road, and on the last curve before pavement just outside town, the same man steps out from behind a tree looks at us and shakes his finger and head at us as if he were scolding a child. We both saw him this time, and when we looked back, he was gone. This is the only story in my life I have no explanation for. First, there is no possible way this person could have known which way we'd gone back to town, especially with enough time to hide and wait for us. Second, and I know I already said it, but... There is no vehicle out in the flats. There just wasn't. To this day, I get the creeps just thinking about it. Sometime in the late 2000s, my family was coming back from visiting some extended family. This was in a somewhat rural and industrial Midwest state. My memory is horrible, but I remember this extremely brief encounter so vividly. My dad was driving with my grandma, mom, brother, and me in the car. I was in my late teens at the time. It was dusk and would soon be getting dark. We were on a back road because my grandma was navigating and didn't know what a highway was or is. There are some industrial buildings and stuff around, but it's all shut down or abandoned, and they are few and far in between. So, we are cruising along, and my grandma spots a person in one of those big electric wheelchairs that, like, lays back. They are just sitting in an empty lot by the road. It was so out of place, and there was nobody around, and it was starting to get dark. My grandma was a saint and really wanted to stop and see if they needed help. But I had a horrible feeling and felt sick just thinking about it. I voiced my concerns about how something seems very wrong. And luckily my dad agreed with me and did not stop. It was a fraction of a second encounter. We didn't even slow down but we tried to figure out what to do for a couple minutes after we passed. I'm sorry if I'm a horrible person for not wanting to help, but I had that nauseous feeling that this was something bad. I don't know if it was a trap or someone who really needed help, or just someone hanging out there for no reason. 
Hello everyone. I have a story to share with you, which few people know about. Fortunately, it has a happy ending, and my sharing this experience might save some lives. The year was 1983. I was a 21-year-old cute bartender who worked in a happening nightclub. I was driving home late one night at about 3 a.m. along I-95 in Connecticut. I was in the middle lane and it was raining terribly. I was almost out of gas, but I figured I had enough at least to make it home. Thank goodness I was alert enough to notice a white van drive by me in the slow lane. My radar went on when I noticed the white van pass me and the driver hid his face from my view. The vehicle looked shady, and it had a New York license plate. I was very aware of this van, and I noticed during the drive home that the driver had maneuvered his vehicle behind mine, and was maintaining a distance. As I got off to the exit to get home, I watched in my rearview mirror as the white van also exited a distance behind. I was freaking out because I was almost out of gas and my house was approaching. I didn't want to stop because I knew I was in danger, and I didn't want him to know where I lived. I drove past my house and decided to take a right-hand turn to see if he would follow. Sure enough, I could see the van's headlights make the same right turn. I drove past the local convenience store, hoping that a police officer would be parked there. The area was dark and deserted. I chose to drive to the local police station, which was about seven miles away. I remember the terror I felt during that long drive. It was 3.30 a.m., pouring rain, my gas tank is on E, and the town was deserted, and cell phones weren't invented yet. This white van followed me through several neighborhoods. I took a right-hand turn onto the road where the police station was, and he continued to follow me. I parked my car in front of the police station and ran inside. I noticed the white van speed away. I remember that when I ran up to the policeman to tell him what happened, I was paralyzed and couldn't speak. I think that is the only time in my life where I couldn't talk due to terror. So, that's the happy ending. I made it to the police station. My car didn't run out of gas, thank God. Perhaps the lesson in this story is preparedness. Always be aware of what's going on around you and make sure you have enough gas and cell phone power when driving, especially at night. Hey y'all. Just had a run-in with the same middle-aged guy who's been showing up around me in a white Fiat today. Here's the backstory. The first time I saw him was while sitting at a red light near my house with my windows down about a month ago. He pulled up next to me and started talking about how nice my car is, asking if I race it, and other questions along those lines. Totally didn't seem creepy at first. However, some days after that, I took a back road to my, now previous, job. As I'm coming down the road, the same car with the same dude pulls out behind me from an empty business parking lot. I could definitely tell it was him from looking in my mirrors. Anyways, 
He followed me to my work but continued on straight when I turned into the parking lot. Little weird, I thought to myself, but hey, coincidences do happen, so I wasn't sweating it. Sometime after that, my buddy told me about an awesome Korean restaurant he went to, so I decided to take my girlfriend on a date there. Mind you, this restaurant is a good hour drive away from my house and a totally different direction than my previous work. Probably 10 or so minutes away from the restaurant, yet again, the same dude pulls behind me in traffic. Doesn't pass me, just follows until I turn in and continues on straight. This is where I really start to get a weird feeling. Seeing someone in the same city isn't that weird, but I've now run into this guy in three very different locations. Now, fast forwarding to today. I'm working a new job, installing patio covers, that requires my boss and I to work in different customers' backyards. So, I drive to the customer's house, one city over, and get to work. The day went on cleaned up and walked from the customer's backyard to the front where my vehicle is. As I'm walking to my car, I kid you not, this dude is parked out front of my customer's house on the street in the same white Fiat. This really creeped me out, so I kind of hopped in my car quickly and got ready to leave. However, he starts talking to me and said and asked me almost the same exact stuff as the first time I saw him. How nice my car is, if I do any street racing, what's done to my car, etc. Anyways, after a few questions, he drove off. In other words, he parked in an empty church parking lot up the road by the intersection I needed to leave through. While I was driving, sure enough, I roll up to the stop sign and he pulls out behind me. At this point, I'm just not liking the situation at all. I do not want this dude potentially following me home. So I got on the gas and got as much distance as I could away from him safely. I know this isn't that creepy, but I'm really hoping I no longer see this guy. I could be overreacting, but I just feel like there's no way this dude accidentally follows me four times all in very spaced out locations in a somewhat small time span. Just doesn't seem right to me. Anyway, figured I'd share with you guys since it's bothering me a little bit. Quick note. Also, I'd like to add, it's not like I drive a Ferrari or something. I have a Miata and a Focus ST. Not sure, but really nothing that special or out of the ordinary. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. About a month ago, when summer was just at its end, my friend Rose and I decided to go for a drive up to the mountains. 
I grew up nearly out of city limits and drove the mountain roads often. Rose is a newer friend in my life and had only been up to the mountains a few times. I was eager to show her how cool it was at night, especially when you're headed back to town and you can see all the city lights as you're leaving the foothills. I love listening to creepy videos and watching scary movies, which may have been a big help for Rose and I on this particular night. We headed up in my van, a dependable 03 Toyota, who had made the journey with me dozens of times before. There's a part where the pavement ends and the gravel road takes you deeper into the mountain. Just beside this stretch of asphalt to gravel is a stretch of dirt that people use to park their trucks and trailers. Rosa and I drove by and I noted that the pullout was empty, as was normal for this time of night. It was 10 p.m., the sun had set, and the lights with timers had all turned on in town. I'd never seen any lights up on the mountain, though. Almost every farming field on the mountains is fenced off with a locked gate that will say private property, normally with bullet holes in the metal to show that the owner is armed and generally pissed off at idiots that try to break into their fields. Every field in the mountains is watered with a center pivot irrigation system. Those are the long, repeatedly arched systems with metal frames and wheels that are commonly seen all over the United States Agricultural District. I'd seen a few irrigation systems in town that have lights with timers on them, so at first I wasn't too surprised when I saw one light in a field. We'd only gone a quarter mile in by now. But then I remembered that not only had the light not been there before, it was in the wrong place. Ah, f I sighed, which was probably not what Rose wanted to hear in the middle of her first night mountain excursion. What's up? Rose asked. Well, I know farmers are harvesting now, so I guess the light in the field makes sense, but at the same time, I've never seen that one before. I say, gesturing off to our right, where there is a very random amber light off at the edge of the field. It's dark enough that I can't see fences or any of the boulder around it, but I was familiar enough with the mountains to know that it was the edge of the property. I started to tap on the wheel anxiously. As I was filled with mixed emotions, I was eager to keep going because the mountains were going to be beautiful in the half-moon and Rose had never seen them at night before. At the same time, my brain told me that if I'm going to listen to a few dozen hours of horror stories per month, I'd at least better get some meaning out of them. <sighs> I'm sorry, Rose. I'd keep going if those were tractor headlights, but I've never seen just one light right there, especially in that field. I've never even seen it farm, so it wouldn't make sense to waste energy or money lighting it. Rose is amazing and didn't mind that we were turning around only a quarter mile in. We turn and head back towards the asphalt. I had no idea why, but I felt like there was a clock that had suddenly started ticking. Hey Rose, could you please hold the handle? I'm going to go fast enough that you might want to hold on to something. I promise we're safe. Rose silently clutched the oh shit handle above the passenger side of the car and I went faster. I felt the sense that it was time to hurry up, so I did. 
I zoomed back towards the asphalt as fast as I dared, my sense of trepidation only intensifying when we reached the truck parking zone. There was a white truck and flatbed trailer that had not been there less than ten minutes before. Five, maybe six guys were around the truck that had its headlights on. One guy was in a UTV, backing it off a flatbed trailer so fast that I thought he was going to crash into one of his friends. I raced by and somebody ran behind the car. I turned onto a road that would lead to a main road. Rose? I asked while inching my way up to 70 miles per hour. Were those people there when we drove by earlier? I just wanted to make sure I wasn't going crazy. Nope, Rose said evenly. Mm-hmm. I sighed, copying her tone, even as I jumped up to 75 and glanced in my rearview mirror. As far as I could tell, they weren't following us, but we had eight miles of straight, flat roads with no cover before we actually managed to reach civilization. Did they seem like they were in a hurry to you? There was no other traffic, so we didn't have to slow down for anyone, which helped us both remain as calm as possible. Just a bit, she laughed nervously, looking over her shoulder to check for any cars as well. Thankfully, nobody came. We drove to a crowded restaurant and sat in the car while we calmed down. We tried to think of a reason why those guys had shown up so abruptly in the middle of the night. Rose suggested that maybe their friends were camping and in trouble. All of the land in the mountains are private property, so nobody camps there. I'm glad Rose and I left so we didn't have to find out why six guys decided they needed to rush up the mountain in the middle of the night. So, near where I live, but far out in the sticks, there's a glorified gravel path in the woods called Ruby Hill. It runs maybe three miles long, and only a half a mile of it is paved. On the side end is the pavement, with a few old but otherwise normal houses dotting it. Deceptively, average at the most. Then the houses end, the pavement ends, and the gravel road shoots up a steep hill. It's not taken care of at all. The gravel is piled up in potholes and berms, so unless you're driving a nice off-road vehicle, you'd want to take it easy. So, since you need to drive slowly, you'd get a nice clear view of the handmade signs nailed to the trees with messages like, No Trespassing and We Are Watching You, scrawled in Sharpie all over them. At the top of the hill, the road winds lazily for a little under a mile before driving back down the other side of the hill. The gravel is in equally crappy condition on this side. After you reach the bottom of the hill, the road cuts straightish for about a mile through cornfields before intersecting with another road. The reason I am so familiar with the layout is that I have often taken friends on late night drives to this road to scare the crap out of them. Never an elaborate prank, I'd just drive slowly and play creepy music and get them amped up and paranoid. I always made sure to talk about the meth heads and their labs out there too, and how the sheriffs try to avoid going there because it's dangerous. I figured it was bullshit, just stories, but I think now there's an element of truth to some of the rumors. 
I was with my friend Aaron one night, and we decided to go on a late night drive to Ruby Hill to freak ourselves out. So we took off, drove down the various country highways and back roads, and turned onto it. I made sure to play extra creepy music since me and Aaron had made the trip before. It honestly lost its creepy luster on me by then, but I still enjoyed the long drives and scaring my friends. Of course, it mostly went by uneventful, and we were almost across the hill about to descend the other side, when Eric freaked out. I checked my mirrors to see what he was shitting a fist over and saw truck headlights down the road. They seemed to be back where the road first topped the hill. The truck made it under the only streetlight on top of the hill, a really dim orange light, and I could see it kicking up a ton of dirt. It was speeding towards us. I paused the music, and sure enough, with the windows down, I could hear the gravel crunching and flying like a vehicle was speeding. Keep in mind that I've driven this road dozens of times, both during the day and at night, and have never encountered another vehicle. So having a truck speeding to seemingly catch up to us at midnight on a road with rumored meth heads was pretty jarring. Usually I didn't relinquish my brakes driving down that hill, but this time I didn't even touch them. So the next day, I'm hanging out with my friend Chris. Chris and I are just lounging around, playing video games, talking about quantum physics, Chris's favorite subject, and Chipotle which is my favorite thing. I, of course, told him all about Aaron and I getting chased the previous night, and I kind of hammed it up, made it come across a little more harrowing than it really was. By now, Chris wanted to go to the road, so we waited until late that night, about two in the morning probably, and went to Ruby Hill. This time, I wasn't playing any music. I wanted to be alert. It was all going quite normally, just like usual, when I slammed on my brakes. I threw the car in park and just said, Uh, you see that too, right? I looked at Chris. He was just as confused as me, and he just nodded. My headlights were clearly illuminating a thick metal cable stretched across the road. On the right, it was wrapped around a tree at what I'd guess was roughly head height for a standing adult and it was pulled taut across the road and anchored to a fence post at roughly chest height. I had no idea what to make of it or how to react. When I heard gravel being thrown by tires, I checked my mirrors and sure enough, truck headlights were tearing ass down the road from behind us. I started freaking out. My breathing and heart rate were out of control and I began sweating. Chris just swore under his breath quietly. I threw it into drive, pulled as far to the right as I could, and my low-sitting car slid under the cable with a loud metal-on-metal -metal scraping noise. I cringed as I heard the scrape, but I wasn't about to sit there and get deliveranced. So, again, I flew down the hill, and this is the creepy cherry on the Sunday for me personally, because Chris didn't see it. As we left the tree line and entered the cornfields, I glanced to my right, past Chris, and briefly caught a glimpse of somebody standing about three or four feet back in the corn. I just felt my stomach scrunch up and I floored the accelerator. I glanced to my rearview mirror and could see a man standing in the road behind us, 
illuminated by the moon and my taillights. He had a long object slung over his shoulder. I couldn't tell if it was a cane or maybe a rifle, but I didn't stay to find out. Before I could even tell Chris about it, we were around a bend and out of sight. I haven't been back to that road since. So, I hope you guys enjoyed the story. Definitely one of the creepiest personal experiences. And here's an update. Finally went back recently and the creepy sign that says, We're watching you, with a creepy frowny face, is gone. Damn. Still, some signs that say no dumping, but the threatening atmosphere has passed. Guess I caught the tail end of the meth rain. This happened around a year ago. I'm not sure if everyone will find this as scary as I did, and still do, but maybe a few people will appreciate it. My friend and I had been out late, driving around and going to our favorite spots around town. And when the night came to an end, we parked in front of her house and just talked for a while. It was three in the morning. We live in a big city, but this is one of the safer parts of town. It was late. The conversation was dying down when we suddenly heard and felt the distinct sound and movement of someone opening and slamming one of the backseat doors or the trunk of my car. We looked at each other, looked back. We didn't see anything, but still felt on edge. We decided, instead of calling it or her getting out when we don't know what could be hiding near or somewhere in my car, we would go to our favorite diner and check the trunk of my car there. Let me cut in real quick to say this isn't a paranormal story, but you could say this is where the story starts. It's what led to the night continuing instead of ending as we planned, and ultimately what led to the events that followed. The diner is a popular spot in town, open 24 hours and always busy. We'd befriended a few people who worked there and definitely felt it was the safest place to check my car. One of our friends who worked there checked with us. Nothing was in my trunk. We thank them and head down the hill back towards home. We were a few blocks away from where we live, stopped at a red light and trying to joke off our little scare when we noticed him. We're in the left lane. He's in the car right next to us in the right, a blue Camaro with a modified engine. He was distinctive, bright blue eyes and several tattoos on his arms and face that we could see. The one I remember mostly vividly is the red teardrop tattoo underneath his left eye. Our windows were up and our doors were locked. He rolled down his window and started catcalling at us. We laughed and ignored him. This was normal. We could see his friend in the front seat at him laughing too. Then his catcalls changed. Hey, I'm not from here. I'm not from here. Come hang out. Hop in. We started feeling a little uncomfortable. We double-checked to make sure my doors were locked. The light was taking forever, but it was a straight shot to my friend's house. That's when he got out of the car, his keys still in the ignition and engine still rumbling. Hey, I'm not from here. I'm not from here. He started yelling as he banged on my passenger window and started on the door handle. 
He was leaning down and looking into the car. I'm not from here. The light turned green. He was still standing at my passenger window. I looked at my friend and looked at the light and zoomed off. I crossed into the lane furthest to the right. I wasn't going to lead this guy to my friend's house, and the police station was only a little less than a mile away. Right as I turned right, he zoomed up behind me, and I knew he was trying to rear in me, and would have if I hadn't moved right then. I sped off towards the police station, him following behind. He gave up trying to rear end me and switched to the left lane, swerving and trying to ram my car off the main road and into the cars parked on the side. His passenger window was down and he was still screaming, I'm not from here, intermixed with a few choice curse words. He was still trying to ram into my car from the side, and I still don't know how I managed to avoid him and avoid hitting any of the parked cars. The police station was only a few blocks away at this point. He tried to ram into my car. I swerved away slightly into one of those residential streets. As he continued forward, I turned that swerve into a turn and zigzagged through the side streets. We heard his engine as he was searching the area for us. We took the side streets slowly, keeping an ear out for his engine and parking with the lights off for a few moments, if we felt he was too close. A few minutes later, we made it up to the police station and pulled into the emergency zone. The entire chase took less than five minutes, but it felt like hours. We called 911, something we hadn't thought to do at the height of it all. One came across to escort us to our homes. There was a squad car waiting at the end of my friend's block when I drop her off. Our escort followed me home to make sure I arrived safely. This is the only part of the night I have photos of, the police escort. I haven't had an experience like this since, and I've been more careful being out late at night. I've seen the guy with the face tattoos once more since then, a couple of months ago I think it was. He was a passenger this time, staring into my car. I didn't notice anything until a different friend started making faces at him. I saw him, saw his blue eyes, and his red teardrop tattoo, and immediately told my friend to stop and got us the hell out of there. I didn't need another experience like this again. I used to drive I-80 between San Francisco and Cheyenne, Wyoming a lot. It's about 16 to 20 hours of driving, depending on weather and traffic and whatever else. Anyway, one time I got out at a rest stop to stretch my legs and take a piss, maybe buy a Coke. I go into the bathroom and there are three beefy bearded guys all naked from the waist down just lying on the ground blowing each other in a daisy chain. I look at them, and two of them look up at me, cocks in respective mouths, and one of them kept going, and the other one's eyes went wide as hell. He just said, uh, er, sorry, and walked right back outside. Oddly, all I could think of was, wow, that floor is probably filthy. 
A second time I was driving at night and the car starts making an odd grinding noise. Like I ran over something that got stuck. It was about 2 a.m. I pulled into a rest stop, which was well lit, and wake up my buddy who was sleeping. I explain it to him, and as we got out of the car, we both hear what sounds like a kid crying. There are no other cars at the rest stop, but we frequently heard stories that child trafficking and kidnapping nearby, so we decided to check it out. We grab our flashlights and head towards the noise, which is coming from the bathrooms. As we got closer, we realize it's coming from the women's bathroom, and it's a low, dull sobbing. We are prepared for the worst. We walk in expecting to see some brutally beaten and or eight-year-old or something. And we see nothing. The sound is still there, and it's still clearly coming from the room, but the room is empty. We turn on the lights. Still, nothing. Check each stall, the trash can. Nothing. Even start looking for where in the room it's coming from. Nothing. Is it a hidden speaker? Are we on candid camera? What the f- My buddy climbs up one of the stalls to get to the top window in the rest stop, which is vented and open. He closes it and the noise stops completely. Opens it and there's no more noise. We sit there for a few seconds, staring at each other. He shrugs. Then the window slams shut again without him touching it. We are out of that f- bathroom in seconds. The noise starts up about 10 seconds later as we get to the car, and we're tearing out of the parking lot within 10 more seconds. The grinding noise is still there, so this time I pull over a few miles later at a Flying J truck stop, which is also well lit, sometimes occupied. Couple of truckers there, no other civilians like us. We checked under the car, there's a red and silver piece of metal wedged between part of the car and the road. Maybe a half an inch or so off the ground. So, with us in the car, it would definitely have been grinding against the ground. Can't remove it by hand, it's really wedged in there. So we kick at it to bend it and figure we'll remove it when we get back. A week later, I had my mechanic take it out when he was doing a service. It's part of a kid's tricycle. The red area where somebody can stand, like on the back of the bike. I don't know why, but I don't think they were concerned or anything, but that was one of those moments for me. Totally f***ed up and crazy. This story takes place in Northeast Oklahoma, I believe around 2009-2018. I was about 14 years old at the time. So, back then, my aunt and I did everything together. She was my best friend, my rock, my everything really. Our favorite thing to do in our boring and rural town was to go driving around. I believe I had just finished school for the summer. It was May, and she offered to take me on a celebratory drive around town. In my hometown, there's an old mental hospital that has been closed since the 1990s, I think. It's located in more of a rulish area. I've always been fascinated by it, 
and she was too, and she even worked there as a teenager. There's a prison located extremely close to it with guards and white trucks frequently driving the roads and preventing people from trying to sneak into the abandoned mental hospital. We both decided on driving around this abandoned mental hospital. It's just too cool and creepy. There's a cemetery where they mass buried many of the patients just beyond the hospital and doctor houses. Past the cemetery, everything gets rural. You are far from the town by this point, and there's only the single lane, lone, winding road. We're driving, having fun, just talking about anything and everything. It's late afternoon by this point, probably 4.30. It's just like an old drive that we had been on so many times. That's when I looked in the rearview mirror and saw a, probably 90s, white Jeep Cherokee behind us. It had seemingly come out of nowhere. We both shrugged it off. We thought it must be a prison guard or something. It became unnerving the longer we drove. He never turned off onto a side road. He just kept following us. I remember my aunt playing it so calm, but I knew she was fully freaked out. She kept asking, is he still following us? There were times when I didn't see him and I'd say, no, I don't see him. Then, in the next minute, there he was, right behind us. He got close enough at one point I could see his face, relatively. He was wearing sunglasses, very big and bulky. He was middle-aged, I'd assume white, with a hat. And his dashboard was covered with junk. We kept driving further on this road through the middle of nowhere. There were several times we'd lose him and we would feel so relieved. At one point, we came to a railroad crossing on the hill. After we passed it, I didn't see him. We were so happy. But he showed back up. He followed us for what felt like hours. If we sped up, so did he. I still get chills at the memory of looking into the rearview mirror and seeing his face. We were also in such a rural area that we could not get a cell phone signal. Finally, we merged onto the highway. We had no idea where we were, but just so elated to get to a main road. We turned onto it and my aunt sped off. I remember we got back to my mom's house and we were full of fear and adrenaline. We frantically said, We were out driving and this guy started following us. My aunt finally confessed how scared she really was. We never told the police or anything, and my mom always thought we were making a big deal out of nothing. But it really was terrifying to be out in the middle of nowhere, no cell phone signal, and a strange car following you for a long time. I remember we talked about it afterwards. Like, what if she had run out of gas? Her car broke down. What would he have done then? This happened tonight. My son's birthday is today. We are currently quarantined due to being exposed to someone who has COVID. Since we had to cancel our plans, we decided to take a drive. We love just driving around the country roads and hiking, and trees can't spread corona. 
We went to an old church and Masonic Lodge. It's now not used at all. That's hometown famous for a big goat statue mounted on top of the steeple. The statue was a gift from someone in Dundee, Scotland. It's a very old place. No one was around, so my son and I decided to look around. We get to ring this huge brass bell by pulling a rope. My boyfriend and other son were far away from us in an empty parking lot. We left, and they were amazed how loud the bell was. Anyway, we kept driving and exploring until it got dark. My oldest son said he wanted to stop at the graveyard and then go and ring the bell one more time. It's his birthday, so I said, as you wish, my darling. We walked the graveyard and paid respect to extremely old graves and even picked up trash. We always do this when hiking and exploring anyway. Then, just down the road, we went back to the goat church and Masonic Lodge. We pulled in. Again, no one was around. This area is very open. The wide yard you walk across to get to the building is clear of trees. The church is right by the busy highway. No sidewalks, steep stairs. My boyfriend and I decided to stay by the van to smoke a cigarette. I could see the black outline of my two boys walking towards the front of the church. It's not super far, but it takes a minute to walk to the building due to the yard being quite mushy and kind of bumpy. Well, suddenly, out of nowhere, there were what looked like three more young men, or teen boys, walking towards my kids and approaching them very quickly, as though they knew my kids. Well, my first thought was, okay, I better get over there and make sure these boys ain't up to no good. But I also thought, where the hell did they come from? I immediately walked towards them to make sure all was well. I heard the bell ring. Then suddenly, one of the unknown silhouettes charged my oldest son. And as this happened, my boyfriend ran with his knife out yelling, Hey! At the people! He ran around the corner to approach the group. I was behind him, but not as fast. As I approached the steps, my boyfriend and my kids were starting to run to the car. There was no one there but my family, and I said, Where are they? They just replied, Go, run, go, mom, run. I repeated, Where are those people? As I ran. They replied, There are no people, go. So we skedaddled back to the car. On our way home, we of course talked about this insane experience the whole time. We saw three people walk up to my kids, right next to them. It looked almost like they all had planned to meet there. They were talking as a group until one started running towards my son with intent. But my boys never saw them. There was no one there. There is no way they couldn't have noticed them and nowhere for them to hide. It's all very open there, so no hiding spots. The boys also described how when they reached the steps, it felt like a dream, got nervous, and they quickly rang the bell before my boyfriend got to them. They both rang the bell. The brass bell is old and very loud. 
It can be heard far and wide. Both boys rang it. I only heard it once, and I saw three people disappear. My boyfriend and youngest son felt nervous and negative and scared the whole way home. My oldest boy, birthday boy, and I were excited and felt no malignancy whatsoever. My oldest and I always loved all things paranormal, but tonight, remove that little piece of doubt in the back of my mind, I never thought something like that would happen. Not just to me, but my whole family. We prayed for protection on the way home and got home safe and sound. You never know, you guys. Anything can happen. I'm open to any and all theories on this, both supernatural or pragmatic. I've went through every scenario possible, but nothing seems to add up. And that's it. Thank you for listening to my story. I have a strange one and not sure if it counts. I was once in a car accident in which I was T-boned by a girl not much older than I on my passenger side after she ran a stop sign, which I was 18 and she was 19 at the time. For the record, it was very dark and the sign was hidden behind a bend with trees in the way. Immediately after the collision, I got out of my car and it felt like I was being taken over by a higher power. The front of her car was completely totaled and I approached her driver's side door, asked if she was okay, and she was completely unresponsive. Without hesitation, I told the guy at the stop sign behind me to call 911. I pulled her out of the car and immediately started chest compressions. To make things even strange, I said, Come on, Aaliyah, stay with us, come on, Aaliyah, with every compression before EMS arrived and took over. Never have I met this woman in my life. Never have I believed in the paranormal, until we went to the hospital and the doctors came out smiling and thanked me for my efforts. They then said, Aaliyah would like to thank you too, and guided me to her room. It has forever lived with me, and we actually became friends who go to the same university. I don't think I saved her life, and that it was instead her guardian angel. Really chokes me up. I'm not religious at all. Wow. Ugh. I even have a lump in my throat just typing this. I'm going to text her, I think. Back in January 1995, while driving home on leave, I experienced something straight out of a movie. I was getting ready to be deployed to Gitmo for a joint task force mission and needed my parents to take care of two kittens I had adopted a few months earlier. The drive home would usually take around six to seven hours, but I didn't mind the drive. Anyone who's ever driven through Texas knows that you can drive for quite a while and not see another car on the road. So it's about 9 p.m. and I'm about 15 minutes outside of Seymour, Texas, heading toward Dallas. 
The two cats that, for the most part, had taken up residence on my back section by the rear window had been sleeping. It was there that things started to get strange. I noticed about 200 plus meters behind me another vehicle's headlights and thought nothing of it. A few moments later, the cats both started making this moaning noise over and over again. I figured they needed to go to the restroom, so I pulled over. I'm in the middle of nowhere with these two cats freezing because it's January, waiting for them to do their business. After about five minutes and a cigarette, I decide to put them back in the car and gave them a little dry food. I began heating back down the road. So, ten minutes go by and I still see headlights again behind me, possibly a little closer than before. Both cats jump up on the rear window and start making their noises again. It's here when I realize that the car behind me earlier never passed me by while I stopped. I started to slow down to let the vehicle pass me, but after going over a hill, the headlights vanished and no car ever drove by. I went through another small town and stopped to stretch my legs. It would have been around 10 p.m. now, and I wouldn't have much longer to go. I started back on the two-lane interstate and was moving around 65 to 70 miles per hour. Sure enough, about 10 minutes out of town, the lights returned. This time, I said screw it and stepped on the gas. As I approached a bridge, heading into the next town, I blew past a police officer. He, of course, turned around and lit me up. I pulled over and rolled down my window, showed him my driver's license, military ID, and badge. He asked me what the hurry was, but seemed distracted while he stood next to my car. He kept looking up at the sky. I told him that for the past hour I was being followed, and that no matter what I did, the vehicle behind me just kept pace. He let me off with a warning and told me to take a right at the flashing stoplight and cut through town. He said that he would stop the next car to come through and check them out. He also mentioned that they were receiving multiple claims from nearby residents of weird lights in the sky and noises. I thanked him and did as he suggested, and didn't have any other issues the remainder of my trip home. If anyone else has had a similar experience, I'd love to hear about it. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true road trip horror stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you're awake, I hope you've enjoyed these stories. Until next time, please take care of yourselves, and I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.